Lord, we do lift up the Ray Wall family, uh, just dealing with uh, so much hurt and so much uh, difficulty. I pray that you would sustain them and that you would lead them. Lord, I'm so thankful for the Gary family being here, that you would continue to provide for them. Lord, thank you for them being a part of the Good News Church family. We just love that they're here and love that they're a part of um, what you're doing here in this community. Lord, what I have to offer here, what do I have? I don't have anything to sustain the souls of others. Alone, I have little more to show beneath the scrutiny of these lights than my own pride and insecurity, my craving for praise and my fear of rejection. Rather, let me offer something greater in this place, O oh Christ, as I step here on the stage. Meet me amidst of the wreckage of my ego and my woundedness and give me what I cannot give alone. Lord, give them you, the power of your spirit, the power of your word. Lord, I pray as we open it this morning that you meet us right here where we're at, no matter what we're dealing with, that we would feel your presence and your joy and your peace. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our purpose is going to come up on the screen. Uh, if you'd say this purpose with me, it's to reach and transform people by the power of the gospel and biblical community. And we do love the power of the gospel, and we do love biblical community. And we have these brand new studies out this week. We want you to grab them. We want you to use them. They also have the small group notes in there. Parker talked about being involved in a small group. What a great time to jump into a small group. We're studying a brand new study. It's really easy to do that. All you have to do is mark it on your card. Hey, I want to be in a small group. Parker will hook you up with somebody that's in your neighborhood or somebody that uh, you could connect with real easily and have biblical community together. Uh, it's so important to do that because on our own, we cannot grow in, in Christ. We need others to help us help us grow. So make sure you take that step to jump uh, into a small group. And we believe this morning that the best is yet to come. I mean, that's a good point of hope, right? The best is yet to come. And we've been looking through uh, the story of the Bible. We've been looking through what creation is like. And then we looked at how creation was marred by sin. And we certainly can feel that in the world that we live in, that's marred by sin. And then there's redemption in Christ, that he came the first time to redeem us out of our sins so that we can have hope in the midst of all the trouble that we're in. And now we're talking about consummation. The, the final state of things, Jesus coming back, and that's what we're going to focus on this morning. So I've asked Christy Kuzart to come up here and to read our scripture reading for this morning. It's from Revelation chapter 22. So Chrissy, thank you so much for doing that. And it's like a lot of use this morning. Thank you. <laughs> this is Revelation 22. Then the angel of the Lord showed me the river of the water of life. As clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. And his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. They will be, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, 
and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord and God who inspires the prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in the scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets, with all who keep the words of the scroll. Worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of the scroll, because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have a right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of the scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in the scroll. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. You have a great reading voice. I could just listen to that all day. That's, that's awesome. Plus, you're talking about Jesus coming again, so it's, it's even better. Yeah, thank you so much, Chrissy. Yes, we, we believe that Jesus is coming again. He's going to restore all things, and that's why we believe that the best is yet to come. And we've been going through this series so that you can ask questions uh, of people that are around you to start gospel conversations. And I had a great opportunity this week uh, to ask uh, my barber the question that's on for this week. Are your best days in the future or in the past? 
And uh, he was cutting my hair, so he had no place to go. So I had a chance to be able to talk with him for a long time. Now, my haircut ended up taking an hour because he had a whole dissertation on, on this. It was like he was waiting for someone to ask him this question. But it was really good. We had a, we had a really good gospel conversation. He didn't come to faith in Christ, but it was good to, to spur on conversation. And so I'm asking you to, to take these questions and ask someone, a friend or neighbor, a hairdresser, whoever, uh, to start these gospel conversations. That's one of the goals of the series. The other goal of the series is for you to know the one story about creation and fall and redemption and consummation so you could clearly share that with your friends and loved ones. And that's the ear that I want you to listen with this morning so that you can be equipped to be able to share with others so that you can go out and so that you can share. We believe that the best is yet to come. When you hear that word consummation, consummation can be defined as the ultimate goal or end. Like in football, you're trying to get to the end zone. You're trying to go down the field and reach that line. You're trying to reach the end. It's the ultimate goal. It's defined as the completion of the goal, the fulfillment of the desired outcome. And, and talking about biblical theology, it's the it's the finish of the kingdom of God, the arrival of Jesus Christ, the fullness of the kingdom here on earth. I love when author H.S. Laird's father, who was a Christ-loving man, he laid there dying, and his son was at his bedside, and he asked his dad, Dad, how do you feel? And his father replied, Son, I feel like a little boy on Christmas Eve. And Christmas is, com Christmas is coming. We live between the first Christmas and the second. See, Jesus came once to redeem us, and he's going to come again, and we believe that the best is yet to come. And many of you know that I really like game shows, and so we have a game this morning. But I'm looking for a student, a student brave enough. It's going to be something that's going to, you're going to get something you really like. So a student, come on, y'all. I see a couple students. You going to do it? You can call them? All right. Your dad's calling you out, so come on up here. He didn't really want to do it, but come on up here. All right, we're going to play a game called The Best is Yet to Come, and now you have to help as the congregation, okay? We're going to get this point in your head that what's going to happen is you get to start down here. Introduce yourself to everyone. What's your name? My name's Patrick. Hey, Patrick. What's up, man? So glad that you're here. So what you get to do is you start down here, and you decide whether you want to keep it or you want to keep going. And if you keep going, you say the best is yet to come. Well, I'll help you with that, all right? So you start with the first box and see if you want to keep it, all right? We'll, we'll open it up, and I'll tell you what's in there. What you got? It's a nickel. It's a nickel. So do you want to keep it? What is it? The best is yet to come. All right, open up the next box. What you got? Here, come around here so everyone can see it. A dime. Come around here. A dime. So what, do you want to keep it? All right, come on. Keep on going, man. He's going to keep going. You can stop at any time. Are you going to do it? Are you going to keep it? Are you going to? Oh, all right. The best is yet to come. All right, here we go. The next one. Uh-oh. Oh, a dollar now. What are you going to do? Are you going to keep that one? The best is yet to come. All right, here we go. The next one. Five dollars. What do you think, man? Five dollars. You can buy a half a coffee at Starbucks. What do you think? All right. All right, here we go. What do you got, man? $10. Oh, what do you think, man? Now, that's $10. I'm going to open up this last one. So do you, do you want to keep the $10? Or do you want to go for the best is yet to come? All right, he's going for the best is yet to come. You win a Good News Church pen. Woo! 
I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 20 bucks. The best is yet to come. There you go, buddy. Great job, Patrick. Way to go, man. Awesome. Awesome. Give it up for Patrick, everyone. He realized that the best is yet to come. And spiritually, it's going to be a whole lot better than 20 bucks. It's going to be a lot better than that because we get to experience a little bit about what uh, is going to come uh, with what we see here on earth when we have those good moments, when we're experiencing God here. We get a glimpse of what's to come, but we know as believers that the best is yet to come. And we need to focus on that. We need to remember that the best is yet to come because when we focus on the life to come, it changes everything about us here. C.S. Lewis once said, he said, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most in the present world here were precisely those who thought most of the next of the world to come. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world, the world to come, they have become so ineffective in this. And that's why it's so vital that we understand what it's like when Jesus comes again. It's so important that we understand what the consummation of all things is going to be like. Because anybody here like eating chalk? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, I didn't think so. Anybody tried eating chalk? It's terrible. I did it once. It's awful. Eating chalk, you never get used to it. You never grow into eating chalk. You're never like, I've tried it enough. Now I, I really love eating chalk. But I think that's the way that we uh, look at heaven. It's like eating chalk. We don't really understand it. We don't really get it. We don't uh, really look into it. And so when we think about heaven as Christians, we think, mm, the great sing-along in the sky. I mean, it was nice having three or four songs up here, but songs for all eternity, a never-ending church service, that's really what it's going to be like. And I love the scripture that I read last week. I'm going to review it for you here in 1 Corinthians 2. It says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, I can conceive of a lot of things. I can think of a lot of things, and all those things that I think about, it goes even beyond that. All the beauty, all the majesty, everything that God has for us, we cannot even fathom. He's coming back. I mean, he, he is. He, he said that he was coming back. When we look at uh, one of the scriptures um, from last week in John chapter uh, 14, 3, it, it says that, right? It says that he's coming back. John 14, 3 says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. He is coming back, and he's going to restore all things. And instead of us as believers thinking about the glory that is to come, that the best is yet to come, we argue about premillennialism and dispensational premillennialism and amillennialism and postmillennialism. It's good to have theological discussions. And when they're healthfully done and they're done in a way that, that points us to Jesus, that's a really good thing. But when they're done in a way that's just to win an argument, to distract us from, from Jesus coming, then, then it really takes away from him coming back. And we need to understand that when he comes back, that he's going to restore all things. And when you're thinking about the things of God, when you're thinking about Jesus returning, 
a couple things you need to have. One, you need to have the view that he's actually coming back in bodily form. That he's actually coming back in visible form. That there's going to be a resurrection of all men and women. That there's going to be a judgment of all men and women. No one knows when Jesus is going to come back. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. We are in the final days. That it could be any time that he is coming. He is coming soon. He's not going to return without any warnings except from the preaching of Scripture that he is coming back. Now, we're in the present state of things right now. We're, we're here. So how are we supposed to act here? Well, first, first of all, it's, it can be good here. I mean, there are things here on this earth that are good. It's, it's good in the present state. I mean, once a year on our anniversary, when Christy and I go to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, and that sizzling steak is right in front of me, and all the sides that come with it. Is that good? Is it? You guys haven't been to Ruth's Chris. It's good, all right? If you haven't, you should save up your money and go, okay? It's good. It's real good. The, the steak is good. The company is good. It is a good time. And there are things in earth, on earth that you, you can experience that. In the present state, God does give us his grace and mercy, even in the midst of all the sin, that we can experience good things on earth. Now, it is marred by sin, and I certainly don't want to be on this earth forever, because there are all kinds of things that, that hinder our worship. There are all kinds of sins, there are all kinds of uh, things from the fall that, that hurt us, and that are difficult to deal with. And so that's why it's better in the intermediate state that when we die and we go to heaven, we're not in soul sleep or purgatory. When we pass away as believers, we go directly to heaven. It's not our works. It's the works of Jesus that allows us to go to heaven. And in Psalm 84, it says, better is one day in your courts than a what? Where? Thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts. And this is hard for us to believe sometimes, especially in World Golf Village, because we like the life that we have. We like all the stuff that we have. I mean, the proof is all the self-storage places going up, right? We like our stuff. We need our stuff. We want more stuff. But better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And when you pass away as a believer in Christ, you're not going into soul sleep, you're not going into purgatory, you're immediately in those courts, one with Jesus, better in that intermediate state, better in heaven. What can we learn about that? Well, we can learn a lot of things about um, heaven, the intermediate state, before Jesus comes again uh, in Revelation chapter 6. Just in a few verses here, we can learn a, a few things here. This is about the martyrs that have died and gone to heaven, and this is Revelation 6, 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that he had maintained. And they called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? And each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. So a couple things that we can learn from here. Uh, from these few verses. When we go directly into heaven, these people are in heaven. This is a glimpse of that. These people are the same people when they were on earth. They're the same people in heaven. They didn't go through some transformation. They're the same people there. There's a direct a continuity between our identity on earth and our identity 
in heaven. Uh, the people in heaven remember, will be remembered for their lives on earth. They were known because it says here in verse 9, because of the testimony that they maintained. It's interesting, it says that they called out. So if they call out, they're able to speak, right? There's some form of, of being able to speak. I don't know if it's vocal cords or some heavenly uh, speak or whatever, but they're able to talk. They're able to express themselves. They're able to raise their voices, meaning that there's emotion and there's communication in heaven. And they're free to ask questions of God. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? I know I've talked to many people that say, when I go to heaven, I'm going to have a list of questions to ask God. I'm not sure if he's going to allow you to bring that list with you to heaven, but you're going to be able to ask questions of God. You're going to have a communication with God, and there's going to be revealing. You're going to be able to learn things. You're going to be able to grow in heaven. The martyrs, they, they clearly remembered their lives on earth. They were, even remembered that they were murdered. So there's something about that, that they were able to remember things, but yet was without sin. That God directly answers uh, their question. And so there is communication with God in heaven. And it's going to be really amazing just to be able to experience that. So we get a, a little bit of a glimpse of what it's going to be like as believers immediately when we pass into heaven. But then it's going to be best in the final state of things. When Jesus comes again to judge the world, to create the new heavens and the new earth, that's when everything is going to be made new. We talked a little bit about this last week, but it's good to be able to talk about it again, about what we see in Scripture and the new heavens and the new earth. We see the river of life, just like uh, Chrissy read this morning, that there's a river of life with the tree of life. Remember, Adam and Eve, they were banned from the Garden of Eden that they couldn't go to the tree of life. But now it comes all the way to the completion of the story. And now we're able to experience the tree of life, the source of ongoing life that will spend all eternity with God. There'll be all kinds of natural wonders there that even the glimpses that we see here, it's going to go far beyond any of those things that will have emotions there. Even like what you see with the martyrs, those emotions are going to be able to be complete and without sin. That will all look unique, that there'll be great feasts of food, which I can't wait to, to experience that, that we'll learn new things, that there'll be work there, that there'll be communication there. We'll be able to talk in one language all together praising God, though he'll make all things new. That includes art and music and, and drama and, and sports and all kinds of different things. He's making all those things new. And it's going to be a place where there's no more sin, where there's no more suffering. So let's learn a little bit more about this place as we work through uh, Revelation 22. The first few verses here. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb, down the middle of the great, uh, a city, a great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of food, yielding in its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb of God will be in the city, and the servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. If they not heed the light of a lamp or the light of the sun of the city, and the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. Man, I was convicted reading this scripture over and over this week. Because I was thinking about all the things I'm going to experience in the new heavens and the new earth. And the thing I keep going back to is the great feast. I just keep going back to food. I keep thinking, I'm going to have great food in heaven. That's what's capturing my thoughts. And then I was convicted. I was convicted. I'm more excited about the food 
that I am was spending all eternity with God. All the people that, that God showed himself to, they couldn't even show their faces to. When Moses saw, saw, saw God, that his face became a glow, it's going to be so amazing to see God face to face, to be able to have that time with him, to be able to have all eternity praising him for what he has done, to be able to experience all the goodness that he has in the new heavens and the new earth. Our minds cannot conceive but I want you to just think about how good it is to be with a holy, holy God for all eternity. We can't even imagine what all eternity is going to be like when he has the new heavens and the new earth where there's no sin, where there's no suffering, where there's no, where there's no um, mental illness, where there's no physical pain, where there's no more suffering in our relationships, where there's no more financial troubles. We're going to spend all eternity with him. Can I get an amen on that? Come on. If I can't get an amen on that, we can't get an amen on anything, right? Or maybe I should just talk about the food, and then you'll say amen, right? Yeah, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. Now, it talks in here about the new heavens and the new earth being a lot like a city. Over and over and over, it talks about a city. And I know some of you are bummed about that, right? Some of you, you live out in the country, you live away from things. You moved to World Golf Village to get away from the city, and now it followed you, right? Pretty soon, St. Augustine and Jacksonville are just going to be one big metropolitan area, right? So some of you may be discouraged by, oh, it's a city. But it's going to be a city without any of the things that you think bad about a city. And even in cities that are marred by sin, like New York, I mean, there's a great, huge park in the middle of it, Right? So can you imagine what the new heavens and the new earth, what this city is going to be like? There's going to be music and art and education and athletics, and it's going to be all of the great things of the city without any of the bad things. So don't be discouraged if you don't like cities. This is going to be a city you like. Revelation 22, 6. Then the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the, Lord, the God of the spirit of the prophets, sent an angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed who keeps the words, the prophecy of this book. Well, there's a couple lessons to learn here from this as we're preparing for Christ's return, as we realize that the best is yet to come. First, we're to believe what is faithful and true. You know what's faithful and true? This word. That's why we have those studies. That's why we encourage you to, to dig into his word because this is our rudder. This is what guides us. This is truth. This is why we dig into it, and we're supposed to count on what's faithful and true in a world that's full of opinions all over the place, all the time, on social media. Anybody can put any opinion they want out there. We have the truth. We have the truth, and it's God's word, and we're supposed to allow it to affect our lives and our marriages and our relationships. This is the word of God. Second, we're to anticipate on what's to come. I mean, he says, I'm coming soon. So we should anticipate him coming, that it shouldn't be any type of surprise. He is coming back. That's why I'm encouraging you to have gospel conversations with people, because there's a limited time for those that don't know Jesus. We need to have those conversations. We need to look for opportunities. We need to ask questions. We need to know the one story of the Bible so we can uh, prepare ourselves and others for what is being predicted. Third, we need to to take heed of the warning that he is coming soon. 
that if you don't believe in Jesus, you need to put your faith and trust in Christ. After you've passed away, after you die, there is no second chance. If he comes today, there's not going to be a second chance. He's provided that chance that one way when he came the first time. Verse 8. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. When I heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, do not do it. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and the prophets and all who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to do vile. Let him who does right continue to do right. Let him who is holy continue to be holy. Now, what's going on with that? It's almost like an encouragement to do bad. Just go ahead and do bad. But I think it's, it's more of a warning to us than an encouragement to do bad. Because when we see all throughout Scripture, it's not the case at all. It almost seems like he's saying something like, okay, you wrongdoers, you, you go ahead and do wrong. You know, they're vile. Go ahead. You don't want to worship God? That's your choice, but Jesus is coming back. It's a warning to all of us to take heed about Jesus coming back. Verses 12 through 16. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I'll give it to everyone according to what he has. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, then they have the right to the tree of life. And may go through the gates into the city. Outside of the dogs, those who practice uh, magic arts, the sexual immoral, the murderers, the adulterers, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you this testimony for the churches. I am the root of the offspring of David, the bright morning star. A few things quickly that we can learn from this. One, he says, behold, I'm coming quickly. Now, some of you may think, well, it's been 2,000 years. That doesn't seem that quick. But for, for God, for all eternity, it still is quick. And the actual uh, word here that's used for quickly actually means the way that he's coming back, that this is going to be without warning. He is going to come back, and it's soon and very soon. Second, he talks about rewards. He says that, those, um, that, that my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done, that the place in heaven is for those that are believers, that those who trust in him, the works that he has done. And there seems to be some ways that the way that we work in this life, there are rewards in heaven that are tied to that. I don't know exactly how those things work, and we certainly our salvation is not found in those works. Our salvation is found in the works of Christ, but it is important that whatever gifts that God's given us, that we use them for his glory. That seems to be very important in Scripture. He says that I'm the Alpha and the Omega, and I love what John MacArthur, Pastor John MacArthur, says about this. He says, an alphabet is an ingenious way to store and communicate knowledge. The 26 letters of the English alphabet, arranged in almost endless combinations, can hold and convey all knowledge. Christ is the supreme sovereign alphabet. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And as we get into these last words here of what's written in Scripture, these are really powerful. I mean, whatever people's last words are, it kind of gives a glimpse of their character. 
It sometimes reveals what individuals value most, and a lot can be communicated in those last words. Look, look at some of these last words of some of these famous people. Uh, Beethoven said, I, I shall hear in heaven, clap now, my friends, the comedy is done. Or Douglas Fairbanks, the actor, said, I've never felt better right before he died. Nero said, what an artist dies in me, it's now too late. F.B. Meyer, a pastor and author, said, read something from the Bible, something brave and triumphant. Here are the last words that are written to us, these final verses, the power that comes with them. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to them the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his snare in the tree of life, his share in the, the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Now listen, if we are trying sincerely to handle the word of God and we, we mess up with that, that's not what this verse is talking about. This is about people that deliberately, maliciously distort the word of God. And the final verses. He who testifies to these things say, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's all say that together. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with God's people. Amen. Are you looking forward to that? Are you looking forward to that time? See, most Christians are not. Most Christians are not looking forward to that time. Most people are not looking forward to that because we don't focus enough time and energy and thoughts on the things of God, and we need to do that. But first, if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus, you need to come to know Jesus. You need to come to know him. There's one study that I found this week that found for every per one person in our country that he or she believes is going to hell, there are 120 people that believe they're going to heaven. So for everyone that believes they're going to hell, there's 120 that believe that they're going to heaven. But scripture says, enter through the narrow gate. Small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. We know that because of sin, because of the way that sin works in our life, that if on our own we are to face judgment, that we will go to hell for all eternity. And that's why it's so vital that we put our faith and trust in Christ because he took all of that sin, all that suffering, all that pain, all that sin on him. And he came to redeem us the first time he came. Through the power of the Spirit, he rose from the dead victorious. So now we can have eternal life if we put our faith and trust in him. If you've never done that, put your faith in him. Death is certain. You're going to face death. And the only thing when you're facing death that matters is that you have faith in Jesus Christ. Put your faith in him if you've never done that. Do you remember in 2010, there was all those uh, Chilean miners that were stuck uh, below uh, for 69 days. They were stuck. They were trapped in that mine. And they worked and they worked and they worked and they figured out a way. They sent them down food and eventually they figured out a way to rescue them. One way out and not a single one of them complained that it was only one way. Why didn't you provide multiple ways? No one said that. No one said that. But when we're stuck in our sin, 
we get caught up in that. Jesus really said he's the only way? He's the one way? Really? That's so narrow-minded. No, we need rescue from our sin. And he gave us rescue. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, remember that our default setting as humans is trapped. Our default setting as humans is sinner. Have you ever been around a baby? They don't have to learn to be sinners. It just comes naturally. That's our default setting. And that's why we desperately need Jesus. And the evil one wants to distract us with all the things of this world. The evil one wants to tell us that heaven's going to be a great sing-along in the sky. And it's not going to be anything to look forward to besides a never-ending church service. When he does that, he takes away the glory of God. He takes away, he takes away our, our view of God and what he really is, what God really says that we should do, which in Colossians 3, 1, it says, set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand. That's where we should set our hearts and minds. And so I have a few questions for you in closing here to think about. And man, when I went through these questions, can I just be real with you? This holy man of God, your pastor, most of these questions were no for me. If I answer them honestly, most of them were no. But I, I want God to continue to work in my life. I want to change my answers. Do I daily reflect on my own mortality? Do I realize that I'm not going to be here on this earth forever? Do I realize there's only two destinations, heaven and hell, and that every person I know will go to one or the other? Do I daily remind myself that this world is not my home and everything in it will burn, leaving only behind what's eternal, that Jesus will come and create a new heavens and a new earth? Do I realize that my choices and actions here will have a direct influence on the world to come? Do I daily realize that my life is being examined by God, the audience of one, that the only appraisal of my life will ultimately, uh, 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 that, that will ultimately matter is his? Do I daily reflect, reflect that my ultimate home will be the new earth, where I'll see God and serve him as a resurrected being in a resurrected society, where I will joy and delight in drawing near to God by studying him and his creation, do I, do I exercise to God's glory, dominion, and to his creation? Man, I so desperately want those questions, those answers to those questions to be yes. I'm going to dwell my mind on those things because this life is just a glimpse. And we have all eternity. And I can't wait. I remember the first time that I went snorkeling. And I looked around. It was like seeing a whole new world. You see all kinds of things for the first time. It was like opening your mind up to a whole new fish and colors and all these different things. And when we wake up in heaven as believers, that's what it's going to be like. That we're going to see all kinds of new things. Things that we can't even fathom. Things that we can't even imagine. Things that are going to blow our minds. Because our God that we serve is so good. And we should dwell our hearts and minds on those things. So let's not fall in love too much with this world. Let's fall in love with the people of this world and let's fall in love with the life giver because the best is yet to... Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you that the best is yet to come. Lord, I'm so grateful that in all the things of this earth that we suffer with, that we struggle with, Lord, they're not going to be for all eternity for those who believe in you. 
we believe that the best is yet to come because of what you've done. Lord, I pray that you would meet us in our joys and our pains and our sufferings and our, in our, in our times where we're, we're feeling joy. God, I pray that you'd help us, that you point us to you, that you allow us to use your word and your spirit as a source of boldness to proclaim truth. Lord, help us to point people to you. In Jesus' name, amen.